want to tell you about one of our partners, Quetzal Education Consulting. Quetzal Education Consulting is a queer, black, and indigenous women-owned firm offering anti-racist consulting, PD, coaching, keynotes, workshops, and more. Their newly released Abolitionist Teaching Workshop series coaches and prepares teachers to further develop abolitionist practices in the classroom. Find out why they have been called The Future of Educational Justice by Dr. Bettina Love. You can book a free consultation with Quetzal by calling 510-397-8011 or visiting quetzalec.com. That is Q-U-E-T-Z-A-L-E-C.com. And if you mention you heard about them through Two Dope Teachers, you will receive a 5% discount on their Abolitionist Teaching PD series. Once again, you can book them by visiting quetzalec.com on their Connect With Us page. going on everybody welcome back to two dope teachers and mike summer revolution mixtape 2022 the final track track six uh very happy to be here with you all um you're gonna notice it's just me on the introduction this intro is gonna be a little bit shorter uh just at the moment but you will have kevin when the actual interview picks up but yeah, it's just me at the moment. Kevin is away doing work for this profession. Uh, just want to let you know that you are listening into Two Dope Teachers and a Mic. We are merely two public school educators in the city of Denver. My name is Gerardo Munoz. And when the interview kicks up, you will hear from uh, the eminent, the powerful, the brilliant, the joyful, the talented Kevin Adams. Uh, we try to come at you once a week. Most of the time, when season seven starts next week, to talk about ways that we can remix this conversation on race, power, and education. Uh, if you're new to the show, feel free to follow us on all social media platforms. At Two Dope Teachers is our handle. It's where you can engage us in conversation, build community, see previews of the work that we're doing, and lots of other good stuff. You can also email us with any show ideas and any um, requests, tutoteachers at gmail.com. You finally can, if you are really into what we're doing, if you want to support black and brown grassroots produced media, you can go to patreon.com slash teachers and we can um, talk a little bit about that. Uh, for $15 a month, you get a Tutope Nation sticker. Um, but most importantly, you do support stories that are very hard to find in other places. And, you know, we, we hit different. We just hit different. It's a little bit different. Um, but, yeah, I mentioned that Kevin is doing work for the profession. Um, we have not actually had a chance to do an episode since I've moved into my new central office role. Um, hopefully it becomes this uh, wonderful point of synchronicity 
in the profession where central office leadership and classroom teachers can build something powerful together and stand in solidarity. I really hope it doesn't become a matter of uh, <laughs> Vader and Luke on the dark side and the light side. But um, but you you may have seen Kev recently on the cover of NEA Today. Those of you who sent us uh, pictures of your NEA Today from August, I still get one. I still get one. That makes me really happy. Uh, he got a much deserved recognition that just it y'all it really barely scratches the surface of his commitment to to his profession and to the communities that he serves and he doesn't like to do this he doesn't like the attention he doesn't like the accolades but i'm trying to get him to lean into his power because um he really deserves it he is one of the most quality human and educators that I've ever met. And um, I love him. And, and I give him a hard time. Um, I've been calling him our cover girl and so on, telling him he's going to be on the cover of Cosmo next. We're just not going to be able to uh, keep him on this podcast. Um, but, but you know, uh, he deserves the flowers. Um, article is good, for sure. Um, I think it's important to have a positive spin on the... Um, hellscape that is this profession these days. Um, I like the approach that teachers will never be defeated. So if you haven't seen the headline, the headline basically says why I will never leave or something along those lines. I've also given Kevin a very hard time around this. <laughs> um, the feeling that so many teachers are in this work um, with their whole selves, that, that teachers are in a fight for not only the profession, but for our very democracy um that's appealing and that's motivational and that's inspirational like i can't i don't think we can understate how critical the work that classroom teachers does remains and especially at this moment but at all moments but we can't continue to talk about this work from a martyrdom self-sacrifice perspective we have to be willing to act on what teachers continue to tell us uh we have to courageously face the fact that thousands of teachers in every state either consider quitting daily or have been forced out. Um, I want to refer you back to my habitually disruptive episode with the eminent Willie Carver, uh, who went from being 2022 Kentucky Teacher of the Year to quitting teaching before this school year started um, because of homophobic harassment that he faced as an openly gay teacher in um in Kentucky and you know it's not a commentary on the people of Kentucky but but it you know and if you follow him on Twitter he's got so much love for his community for his Appalachian community for the people in his um in his in his mix and in in his circles it it isn't about that but it is about how a small number of bad actors are coming for social justice focused teachers we know whatever impacts teachers as a whole uniquely, more pointedly, and more consequential impacts Black and Brown educators. And if you don't follow, um, if you haven't been listening to the exit interview uh, with Dr. Asia Lyons and Kev, where they are curating and collecting stories of Black teachers who are forced out of the classroom and how they have rebounded and decided to build their own presence in education, uh, you got to check that out because this is stuff that this is stuff that Dr. Lyons has been doing as her professional work. And, you know, more importantly, it's been a, it's been a trend over generations. How do we keep um, black educators in front of our students? Because it's good for 
all students. So we know that these conditions hit harder for marginalized communities and marginalized teachers. So we have to continue to face that and we have to begin to face that in a very real way. And we have to be willing to do the radical, to do, you know, some of the things that maybe scare us a little bit in order to make that happen and in order to, to renew this profession, to remix it, if you will, to build something better, not just for our kids, but for society. It, it just, it's just so critical right now. And I know a lot of you are probably looking at me saying, yeah, well, you left the classroom and you went to central office. This is actually a conversation that Kevin and I will have um, when we kick off uh, season seven, season seven of two dope teachers and a mic, um, because I'm extremely ambivalent about it. Um, but I do feel like if there's a possibility to make change, that might be one place where my voice might matter. So uh, we are concluding the Summer Revolution Mixtape 2022 today with this episode. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a mixtape. So I've been reading this great book. Um, I got it because I got a gift card for a speaking engagement I did, and that was really cool. It's a book called The Art Behind the Tape, and it's literally the art and history of mixtapes and hip-hop. Um, it's authored by DJ Mars, by Thomas, by Jibril Jaye, by Maurice Garland, and Ty St. Louis, with an intro by Kid Capri. So I'll tell you a little bit about why we do a mixtape in the summer. Um, mixtapes have six unique elements to them. There's exclusives, there's artists, there's blends, there's cover art, there's drops, and there's personality. Um, so for the mixtape, um, this is the way that new material got in front of people or surprising material or experimental material. So as you start your school years, we just hope these mixtapes give you some new ways to think about stuff. And on the mixtape, we've had folks like um, like 2021 National Teacher of the Year, Juliana Ortube. Uh, we have had uh, folks on that just have really brilliant things to say. And maybe they will help you to reframe the work that you are doing in whatever your capacity is in education, but especially in the classroom. So uh, there are exclusives. Um, so you'll hear things from folks that you haven't heard before. Um, we were uh, Juli's first interview um, after her term as National Teacher of the Year ended. Artists, man, these artists that we got in this industry, uh, it's a beautiful thing. And um, they bring creativity and joy and fun. Uh, we blend ideas. We try to come up with good cover art, although I don't spend nearly enough time with Canva um, as I should. So get that cover art going. Um, there are drops. There are new ideas that start showing up. Um, you might find out brand new information about an educator that you love and follow from the mixtape that they've not told anybody else. And then there's personality. You know, there's a sort of relaxed approach to it that we bring to having this, these conversations. And we just kind of ask the what if. Uh, some of these mixtape uh, tracks might turn into albums later on. Um, there's a lot of wonderful gems. If you haven't, go back and listen to all five that came before this one, um, including uh, scholar and professional developer Elena Aguilar, um, who was track one. And we just continue to move through all this stuff. So for track six, the thrilling conclusion of Revolution Mixtape 2022, uh, we bring you just this 
awesome um, conversation. But be before I get to that, shout out to you, Kev. So much love for the brilliant, diligent, prepared, and critical teacher leader that you are. So much love for the doing the thankless grunt work that is representing teachers on the bargaining team for our Denver teachers. Did come to an, a tentative agreement about a week ago, and uh, that's amazing. Um, that's amazing that we can find some agreement. Um, I'm not going to be a person that's going to be happy that we averted a strike in the district. I believe that strikes and protests and saying no is good for democracy so we can build something better. But I do know that in order to continue to do the work, we have to start building the conditions within which we can do the work for classroom teachers. So uh, a lot of people talk about solidarity and resistance and education, uh, but Kev's about it. And he does it with that brilliant smile and that radical joy. Um, so much love. Speaking of radical joy, track six, Revolution Mixtape 2022. We bring to you Africa Afeni Mills. Uh, I met her at a, a National Network of State Teachers of the Year virtual conference. The chemistry was just there. Like, I'm not a big fan of some keynotes, and I'll go into this in the interview. Um, they're very hit and miss for me because I'm critical. Um, but she had me from the first sentence. Um, just this joy and this fun and this seriousness and this brilliance. Just amazing. Uh, Africa Faney Mills, Africa of Faney Mills, easy for me to say, is an education consultant and the author of Open Windows, Open Minds, Developing Anti-Racist, pro-human students. She works with teachers, instructional coaches, and administrators to develop and sustain student-centered learning experiences that are diverse, inclusive, and equitable. Africa has been featured on podcasts like this one, blogs, and delivered keynote addresses and facilitated sessions at conferences across the United States. Africa believes that all educators can be motivated, engaged, dynamic practitioners, practitioners, and leaders when provided with the support needed to create student-centered, anti-bias, anti-racist, culturally responsive learning environments that inspire wonder and creativity and nurture diversity, belonging, equity, and inclusion. Um, Africa is also brilliant, funny, powerful, um, a true sister in this work, a true dope sister in this work. Uh, we hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy the top five. The top five gets out of hand, but it is brilliant and so much fun. So um, sit back, get your coffee, uh, put aside your lesson plan book, and let's listen to this wonderful interview with me, Kevin, in Africa of Faney Mills. Yo, what's going on, everybody? It is me, Gerardo Munoz, your 2021 Colorado Teacher of the Year, formerly of the classroom, and our cover girl, Kevin Adams. Kev, how you doing? <laughs> Y'all got to stop. Everybody, everybody with this cover. But but we'll get, we'll talk about that. That's good. We're going to talk is, about all of that. We, we don't have a YouTube channel yet, but when we do, I am going to make this my Wait. background. Oh, my Kevin gosh. Adams. Oh, okay. my gosh. You're worse than the students. No, I'm, I'm, that's why I'm, I'm glad I only have sixth graders mostly because like high schoolers would take that and run with it. But they would. But. No, see, high schoolers are still a little bit naive because they'll be like, bro, you were on a magazine. What? You were on a magazine. So I think you need to lean into it. I think you need to get it framed. I think it actually needs to be up in your classroom um, because That's it wild. is showing you loving on students, which is a beautiful yeah. thing. And I can <laughs> tell you 
that our guest this evening for the final track of the Revolution Summer Mixtape of 2022 would also tell you to step in to your stardom. And our guest, of course, is our friend. I think we're friends at this point. We are friends. Yes. We are. Yes. Africa Afeni Mills. Welcome to Two Dope Teachers in a Microphone. Thank you. We're so glad to have you. We really are. Fantastic to be here. Yes. Oh my gosh. We've been trying to do this and we keep canceling it because we, (laughs) we're trying to make a dollar out of 15 cents. I know how that feels, so I'm, there's no shade, no shade. <laughs> yes. We're doing what we can. Um, so like, before we get into the questions, just wanna, um, just wanna say that, uh, so I went to a conference this summer and um, and Africa was our keynote speaker. Yes. And man, you know how it is, you go to conferences and a lot of keynote speakers are kind of mid, right? They're yes. Like, okay. This is cool, and I'm and I'm a nerd, and so I can't just enjoy like somebody trying to inspire us and fire us up. Um, but on day two, they showed that it was going to be Africa Fanny Mills, and I'm like, okay, I feel like I need to be at this, and it was one of the fiercest keynotes I've seen in recent memory. Oh yes, I loved it. I was all over it, and then we hosted breakout rooms, and I was asked to host a breakout room for the uh conference and she came to our room there you go i did i I popped in (laughs) i mean she popped into all the rooms but i'm just gonna feel special about this and we had this like amazing uh conversation so um africa we're so excited to have you on the show and we're just we can't wait to get this conversation going i i am so thrilled like i've been really looking forward to this and thank you so much and thank you for so much for your gracious words about the keynote it's it's the affirmation is 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 needed and and really appreciated. Uh, well, it's it, it is amazing work. So we're, we love to kick it off just um, talking about what brought people into this space. So um, the first question we'll start with is what's been your journey in education and how did you become connected? What is it that drew you into this work? Yeah, so it's an interesting journey. So I have been a writer since I was a very very small child. Like some people think like my mom's exaggerating or that I'm exaggerating, but I started writing when I was like five years old. And, um, and I have, I have the receipts for it because like, I have this confrontational letter I wrote to a classmate named Brian about like his 35 cent that he stole from me and who he's supposed to stand in line with when I'm absent. I have to, I have to send that to y'all after. Oh Um, my gosh. I I love that. I love that. (laughs) It's hilarious. And I was like, oh yeah, my I, was, gosh. I was five years old and saw the uh, power of literacy of language. That's exa- advocacy, right? I'm advocacy. advocacy. Yeah. We I'm love like, that. Dear, dear Brian, the, dear Brian. the sword and you're about to find out. That's right. I'm like, I don't care if you're six years old. I don't care. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're <laughs> yeah. And then like, you know, so my, like, I, so I have like, you know, me and my little like cursive that I was trying to write like a poem and it's a beautiful poem. It's pretty deep for a five-year-old. I must, if yeah. I must tell myself, right? <laughs> but yeah, but that's so why I was a writer. I loved writing stories. It was something that I really connected with. And so I ended up after I got my um, bachelor's degree, I actually ended up at BU's graduate creative writing program. Because at that point, I thought I was going to be like this fiction writer. Mm. I had just abused myself of the notion of writing for Essence Magazine because I had, <laughs> I really, I wanted to. That was my dream. Yes. And I was in the, the American Society of Magazine Editors has an internship that I was in. I was not placed at Essence. I was very salty about that. Ooh. I was placed in a different magazine, which I will not name. But I learned about like fact checking <clears throat> and all that like grunt work that you have to do to start. And I was like, oh, 
I was just trying to write. I wasn't trying to like research and do all, like I wasn't trying to do all that. I just wanted to be a writer. And so I ended up going to a graduate creative writing program. And what I realized in that program was that even as I was writing and I was enjoying getting the feedback from my from my cohort and my mm-hmm. and from one teacher in, in particular, Susanna Kaysen, who wrote um, Girl Interrupted, was one of my teachers. She's oh, wow. Amazing, amazing. Yes. Oh, that's but then I think the thing that happened, because I'm like, I loved her so much. And I was like, are you going to be my teacher at, at all again in the program? She said, no. I was like, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Got what I needed. Got to go. I'm I'm, I'm out. And so so I was like, well, what do I really want to do? And at that point, that's when I really started to think about like education and Mm. teaching and and actually because I really did enjoy school quite a bit, particularly fourth and fifth grades. And I think that's why I ended up like I ended up transferring to Boston College where my son is teaching now, which is so exciting. Yo, that's cool. So where where did you go? That's awesome. Where did you grow up? So I grew up in Brooklyn. So Brooklyn. Yes, well, I always yeah. like I'm surprised that I just got to now at this point and then I'm <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually Brooklyn folks, that's like they come in the room. Yes. I'm from Brooklyn. Yeah, they're, they're like, don't like, even you're, don't you're even like, say hey, my name. Are you? And they're like, Brooklyn <laughs> is in the building. I'm not gonna lie, Africa. I heard it. I, I can hear it, it in right? your voice. Like you can hear it in your voice. You, you don't really gotta you say know, it. I, I lived in the Boston area for 25 years and you would never know. No, 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 no marks on me. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I grew up in Brooklyn and then went to a really tiny liberal arts college and that doesn't actually even exist anymore, but it was in East East Texas. And so then when I came back to New York after being there, I was just like, I am a Brooklyn girl. I always will be. Hard stop. And also, I do love Sky and I do love space. (laughs) Yes. I I fell in love with that after being, you know, in the the wide open space and stars and all that stuff. And so I, I was like, but I'm still a city girl. And plus I was in love. So, you know, love makes you do some interesting things. That's right. Uh, my person, the, my husband, I, we've been married for 25 years. Yes. He was at school in um, in Cambridge in Massachusetts. And so I went up there and went to graduate school. And then that was the beginning of our love story too. But um, oh. yeah, so I transferred to Boston College's um, Lynch School of Ed to get my master's degree in elementary teaching. And like mm-hmm. I was saying, I think that part of the reason why I was drawn to those grades in particular was because I had these amazing, I had the same two teachers. Uh, so they looped with the group yes. of fifth graders and I love them so much. Like they just, it was like at this community school in Brooklyn, we didn't have any desks, no chairs. We sat on the rug. We didn't have any walls. I just, I don't oh, know man. if they teachers liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they had Yeah, yeah, that's a hard one. That's a hard one, but you were loving, you were feeling the vibe. I was feeling it. I'm like, if I, if I, I'm like, honestly, part like, if I could, it's Janie Miller and Roberta Kamler were my teachers. And if I could find them, I would love to find them and be like, how did y'all feel about the open, the open concepts? <laughs> yep. Maybe y'all weren't feeling it. <laughs> Tell me the truth. Yeah, but then, yeah, so I I ended up being attracted to those grades, and yeah, I got my master's degree in elementary teaching from Boston College, and then ended up entering into the teaching profession that way, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Very nice, very nice. That's fantastic. So, so in our, on our show, we love, you know, as educators of colors, BIPOC educators, we're always thinking about identity. How does, how has your identity shaped how you engage in this work? Yeah, so I think for me, growing up as a Black kid in New York City, I didn't realize, because like my, my first thought was I did really well in school. My parents, they falsified my birth certificate to get me into school early. So I was, I was that's why I was five writing that conversation. Yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> I was five in the first grade. Yeah. So I was writing my stuff, right? And then the way it was in the, the, the junior, I was going to say middle school, but that's outside. It was junior high in New York. Yep. 
And so the, what you had to do, if you maintain like an 85 average in sixth and seventh grades and you could skip eighth grade. Oh, so wow. I, was a ba- I was a baby and I was like, school is everything. School is life, right? Like Danny Rojas from, yeah. from, from Lab. I'm like, not football, school. School was school. my thing. <laughs> but then when like, as I got older and began to study about education and, and like the history of the beginning of education in the United States, I was like, oh, I know why I like school because my family had a lot of challenges and so I'm like, I found a lot of like, um, like, like safety, not safety, yep. like I was in danger, but like, just yeah. like I felt belonging there. I felt yep. successful there. Yep. Um, and so what feels hard though, is that when I look back, I'm like, oh, I know why I like school because I was tracked high. Yep. Right. Like I got to be, I was picked my whole time. They were like A, B, C, and D classes. Yep. I was A classes my whole time in school. Yeah. So I was like, oh, so anyway, as far as identity, I'm just like, okay, so I was someone who though, you know, like my, my racial identity is, is black. I was like considered like bright. Yes. Smart, right. And the talented so tent. Yeah, oh, talented tent. Right. I'm just talented. Like, they're, they're rocking the, the, the right. boys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> And I didn't realize that. And then when I got older and started to realize that, I was like, oh, I'm mad about this. Because mm-hmm. then really, like, I started thinking about, even with regard to my own identity within my family and my friend group, yep. I got a lot of that pushback. You know, that whole thing around, like, oh, you think you're white. Yep, yep. Like, that kind of thing. And I used to be Ooh, mad. School girl, kids, like that stuff. Right. Yep. But the thing about it is, like, they, the, the, even though it was not right for them to take that out on me, there was something about the system that they were reacting to. Yep. It was yep. not wrong, right? It was not wrong at all. And so that's when I was like, okay, so thinking about my own upbringing, and even when I was in my early teaching career, I feel like, you know, I'm like, I'm very big on vulnerability, so I will admit my stuff. Yes. <laughs> that's how we learn and grow. Yeah. When I became a teacher, I was just like, oh, I'm teaching. Like, I started teaching outside of Boston and then with Boston Public Schools. And I was like, I don't need to learn about being culturally responsive because I'm Black and I'm good. Yeah. I'm, I'm Africa. Africa. Africa, yeah. not only Africa, I'm like the motherland. I am Africa. <laughs> yes. Panthers, right? Like, I'm, yep. I'm good. All My name is it. literally Africa. I don't have it to really be. Is. <laughs> yep. yes. I don't have yes. to be Can I go? Yeah. And so, but I'm like, but I realized how much, like, talk about, like, internalized oppression. Like, all yes. that, how that was showing up in me. Well, I was even thinking to my students, like, you know, all you got to do is concentrate in school and sit and pay attention and do your work and play the yeah. school game. And yeah. and all you, so that all you have to do mentality. And I started yep. realizing how wrong I was for that. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's how my identity connected to like not only being a teacher, but also really interrupting the way school is is done because it's 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 not OK. It's not OK to treat students like that. That's yeah. right. There's a couple of pieces there that that really, really resonate with me, um, because I think in a lot of ways, um, they kind of mirror some of my own experiences. Um, I I think because I have a white mother, I think I knew and a white mother who's who is a retired teacher. Mm -hmm. I I knew I knew the code. I knew the the rules. Um, I I was around white discourse all the time. And this isn't to say that white discourse is superior. Right. It's just the the discourse that is legitimized in in uh, education. Ed, yeah, yeah, Kev likes to Kev likes to reference the dead prez uh, thing in they schools. Mm-hmm. That's the discourse that's legitimized, right? Yeah. Um, and so I was always considered, you know, a, a pretty good kid. I got good grades, all that kind of stuff. And I think that for me, both the kids around me who are like me were reacting against the system, as you point out. Yes. And I think that I learned quickly and Latinx people, me and Kev have this whole discourse going on. As Latinx people, we we often do cozy up to white supremacy because, 
you know, well, technically we're white. The boxes say so. It's okay. <laughs> right. 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 And yeah. so I think there were times that, that in, in my youth, in, in my desire to survive, get out, like all that kind of stuff, I cozied up to yeah. white supremacy and tried to imitate it. Um, the, other, the other piece that resonated with me is that piece about culturally responsiveness for people of color. Man, Kev, how many, I feel like the podcast came from this. Like me and Kev sitting in a PD and then having our fugitive PD afterwards <laughs> where it was kind yes. of like none of that was for us like no. none of that is for us and obviously 79 percent of the teaching force is white and so 79 percent of the teaching force needs that but what about the rest of us who are kind of like okay you're not talking to me right now no. and that piece resonates really deeply with with me and looking at man so as i was preparing for the interview um i went into your website Man, I should have given myself an extra week. <laughs> so much good stuff. You are prolific. <laughs> Your work is wide spanning. Like there are all of these places that you just have brilliant things to say. Like, you know, whether you're talking about cultural responsiveness for all teachers, whether you're talking about these pedagogies of liberation, whether you are disrupting whiteness in education. Man, that's just like a couple of the things that you're doing. So my, my, so my question is, as a person who can't center myself, what centers you? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, and, I, and I'm gonna say this, I, I, I usually give a caveat with this, it's, it's hard to help it. For sure. me, I'm a person of faith. Mm. I, I, like alongside that, like when I say faith, it's important to me to be clear about what mm -hmm. I mean. Because there is a version of like, so I identify as Christian, even though it's really hard. And there's a version yeah. of Christianity that I am not talking about at all. I am not talking about imperialism. I am not yeah. talking about nationalism. Yes. I am not talking about anything that is unlike Jesus, right? And I feel yep. like pretty clear to me. Yeah. <laughs> there's, a his, there's a historical Jesus of Nazareth that we can study. And yeah. that, is that is where you center that. That is, and that's, and that's been, that, that is the center for me. Absolutely. Like if you look at the first acknowledgement in my book, you will see that like, that is something that is the, the, the heartbeat of my life. And so I think with that, like really coming from a place of what it means to be truly loving, what it means. And that's where that piece in my book comes from that title, that part of the title pro human. Right. Yes. And so that's the piece too. Where I'm just like, all right. So, you know, setting aside the folks who just like have an ideology where they have become very hateful and xenophobic and they want to destroy lives. I'm not talking about that group of people. Yep. I do believe that is the minority of people. I believe mostly people yes. have been, we have all been racialized and that man manifests itself differently for different ones of us. And I think that because we are hyper segregated, it meant like, so for me, if I'm like, I, I'll, I'll name myself. I grew up in a community where like when, a, until I was three, like we lived in the projects. I don't really remember that because I was, you know, less than three at that time. Yeah. And then we moved into a more middle-class neighborhood in Brooklyn, but then white flight became very clear. Right? Yeah. Like, I have white neighbors and white classmates and now they're, they're gone. I don't even know where they are. Yeah, where, <laughs> where did they go? <laughs> yeah, where, where did they go, right? So thinking about that, but like thinking about, okay, so who I saw around me most of the time were black folks, maybe like people whose, you know, family members or ancestors have been, you know, um, descended from enslaved folks or yeah. they're from the Caribbean or whatever. Like most of the people around me looked like me. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really getting to see people who didn't. And so I had a lot of assumptions 
some of them, you know, about other people that I needed to learn more about by living life on life with people and being in relationship with, right? So I think that's the piece too. Like when we think about the fact that we are often, we're often making assumptions about one another and we are passing on these misperceptions and, you know, false things about one another. Yeah. I think about that and that's what centers me in trying to disrupt that, trying to inter in interrupt that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm letting it sink. It's, mar yeah. it's marinating. Yeah. Yeah. It's love. <laughs> it's, it's all about love to me. Yeah. yeah. Like genuinely. I mean, I, I always, you know, I always say that it's heart work, H-E-A-R-T, because yes. it is rooted in love. And it took me a long time to start to realize that, that really that is all that matters. That's all my students ever remember. It's yes. about how I made them feel. Yes. It's, it's, Absolutely. it's never about the things like every once in a while, they'll be like, oh, we did this one thing and that was cool. Right. But it's really <laughs> like, like, you know, it's really about the experience. And I think the bonds that we build. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. And echoing that, you know, I think that, I mean, there are definitely times in my education that the fact that I learned some content or some skill mm -hmm. makes me look fondly upon that experience but what I remember the most is how I felt in those spaces and I really appreciate kind of what you're saying about about how we are all racialized like you said that and that really just kind of like echoed in my mind because I think that what we have to realize about the system is that it, it does racialize all of us and what it does is it is it compels us to build walls in Absolutely. between ourselves you know, and, and as a, as a, as a Chicano teacher from the East side, like I like it always say, you know, my walls are there for my safety. That's yeah. right. They're still walls. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I need to find a way to live without walls. And yeah. I, so I think, I think in your work, you're really, you're really disrupting this idea that we can't, we can't come at each other with love. And, and, um, and, and I really appreciate that. Thank you. I think, I mean, it's so important to me because and I, a lot of these the examples come to me and not in a way, because I think sometimes it can come across as if like people are getting a pass or they're not being held accountable. So it's not that because people need to be accountable for yep. whatever yep. you believe, decide, or I totally believe that. And also I think about times like one example that comes to me a lot is I went to camp when I was like in, in a, like a three week um, overnight camp in Minnesota and I was a high school worker and we went to the mall and I was with my friend and a little white boy was with who I believe was his mom. And he said, mommy, look, she has a brown face. Mm -hmm. Mom snatched him up and dragged him off so quickly. I was like, dang, bro, but he's right. He's right. <laughs> and he wasn't lying. I mean, he he's observing something. It's and factually the, correct. He was observing, right? And so I'm yep. like, so now the message that that child got was like, you cannot. You can never, ever say him. that. Never, right? And so I'm like, so if you have a kid who grows up like that and all you ever see is whiteness, then like a lot of times, like when even when I was doing interviews for the book, folks were just like, I didn't really even start to see people who didn't look like me until college. And I was like, when they went there, like I was shocked because the things that people told me about other people were not true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So that's where that love comes from. It's like compassion for like white babies, right? Yeah. It's like, you, know, you didn't have the opportunity to really like, that's that window, windows and mirrors concept. Like you didn't yeah. get to look through those windows to discover anything about anybody who is unlike yourself, then you're actually at risk, right? We use that word, I think for kids of color, yeah, but I think about white kids as being at risk, and we see yeah, that's how right, that's right, yeah, that's right, that's yeah. right, Africa. That's a great segue 
into the next question. It's yes. almost like you knew what we were going to ask you. That's right. So it's, I love it when it comes together. It just yeah. comes together. It's like the, the ancestors made it happen. <laughs> That's right. That's why I believe Yeah. It. So, so we've heard about your earliest writing. Tell us about, <laughs> tell us about like how it manifested all and how it manifests in your book, Open Windows, Open Minds. Like what, what will people get from this book or what, what's the, what's the goal of it? What's yeah, it about? The goal, it's, I, my goal for this book is twofold. Yep. The first part of it is that going back to that piece around being pro-human is to understand that, like we talked about the percentage of teachers in this country who are white yes, and thinking about the fact that they most likely, unless I'm like, I can't make assumptions about anyone, but if we look at the data and the receipts, yep. most likely, I think it's safe to say that they did not get any type of anti-racist, you know, you know, teaching in their experience. Mm -hmm. so, so there's that part of the book where it's just like, all right, so we need to do some racial identity work, some racial consciousness development, some racial healing for the teachers. Yes. That has to happen because you cannot offer to your students that which you don't have. Right. Yep. And yep. so that has to be true. And a lot of that was really, that really came to me was like, you know those infographics, right? That of, of the representation of children of, of people of color in children's books. Yeah, well, yep. color, just people, right? Like yeah, just right. What looks like in 2012, 2015, 2018, and I was like, man, like in 2012, it was that was 10 years ago. 90 percent yep. of the characters in children's books were white. I'm like, dang, <laughs> so a lot of white characters. It really and that, and that it really makes give some some perspective to the book banning that's happening now. I'm just like, seriously, this little bit of books that we have, you're trying to like take. They're those? like, yeah, yeah, we got to get rid of those too. <laughs> those two those two right yeah yeah, but yeah really looking at that it's just like yeah if this is what's happening in the publishing industry if this is what resources teachers are using in their classrooms then no wonder we're getting what we get right in society right. And all the different systems that we see right and so for me i'm like all right we need to do some work with the teachers because they need to have their awareness awakened so that they can offer something different to students. And most teaching programs, as far as I know, don't yeah. require this learning. Usually it's like a, an elective. You can do it if you want to, yeah. right? But yeah. it's not required. It's not even necessarily something that teachers are observed right. for when being evaluated or this on a teacher certification test. Yeah. And so that's why I'm all into standardized tests. But, you know, I'm just saying as far as like what- Well, but yeah, I mean- Right. It, it's not a matter like the thing is that the things it's not that the things that we test are unimportant. It's right. that we don't test other things that are important. That are important too. Like, I mean, Kev, did you take the history praxis test? Yes. Or so it, yes. Man, Social studies or wait. Oh, yeah, no, because I had to know like economics. Oh, I'm not so yeah. on the test. Um <laughs> never tell. They're gonna they're gonna take my uh, my license even oh. after being state teacher of the year. Um, no, but I I um you know the thing I think about is is that there are so many things that I was tested on that didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> that you've never taught about. I've never right. taught. I've never right. taught. Never taught um, about. You yeah. know, and then there are things that are really important. I mean, at, at this point, I yeah, I just want to shout out my advisor, Dr. Maria Salazar, at the University mm. of Denver. Um, she has ensured that there is a um, race, gender, and sexuality in education class that yes. you know, teacher prep people are, but, but it's far from the rule. And right. Jeff, do you, does, this reminds me of our conversation with uh, Dr. LeGarrette King about a year ago. Yes. When, uh, when doc, doctor, I, I have to say Dr. LeGarrette King, because then people think I'm saying, oh, you Dr. Oh, King. Doc, you're <laughs> talking Dr. Dr. King. Y'all didn't talk to, I'm turning off this podcast. You didn't talk <laughs> no. to no Dr. King last <laughs> week. Dr. King, what is wrong with you? 
Um, so, but what Dr. King said <laughs> was that one of the things that, you know, as we, as we try to prepare teachers to teach in a way that represents the students in their classrooms, there, we, there, there's not enough content knowledge, no, like no. there, you know, and we got to have that content knowledge. It, it, you know, and so we, we have to like put it in there. Um, yeah. And so that that's a lot of what I thought about as, as you kind of talk about the book. There's there's something I need you to say one more time. I like having people repeat their things. Okay. What was it? Was it something along the lines of you cannot give what you do not have? What what was yeah. that? Absolutely. I mean, you can't offer to students that which you don't have, right? And so that's why the first part of the book is really speaking to the teacher or the reader, because like when I think about this, yes, this book was written for educators, but I do not have a narrow view of who I consider educators. I'm like, if you are involved in, in the life of any child, if you are in relationship with someone where you have the opportunity to share something, you are an educator, right? So I think that there is the classroom definition of educator. That book is absolute, the book is absolutely written for them, but it doesn't mean that other people can't benefit from it as well so there's that first part of it and then the second part is like okay so now that you've started to do this work here's what you can offer to your students and here are the voices of teachers like one of the things I love and like it 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 really to me something I really appreciate about the writing process for this book was that I interviewed um several um like white folks who are anti-racist practitioners and they answered questions about what they wish had been different for them in their childhoods they have written letters to their younger self trying to encourage themselves to like such powerful you know testimonies that came from people who are doing this work and who even in the midst of difficulty and challenge of doing this work and so just really having their voices in there and the the people who are practicing in the classroom to be like here's how you you know how you help students to really understand about overlooked perspectives and contributions and history and, you know, challenges and all those things. And here's what you can, here's some concrete tools you can use to really create something very different for your students. And then hopefully that becomes self-perpetuating. Kev, you see why she needed to be on the podcast. That's it. That's it. (laughs) That was it. It's just, I mean, it's, it's just this joy and we'll, and we'll, we'll kind of, that's actually kind of a segue into the next question. Yeah. All right. So I've been spending a lot of time kind of looking at these manufactured culture wars that are kind of starting to come for us in so many ways. And, you know, one of the things that's just really hard for me, me and Kevin talked about this, is Mm -hmm. it's hard because, you know, Kevin and I are experienced teachers. We've been here for a minute. Like, you know, I started teaching at a time when if you mentioned anti-racism, it's not that people got mad or triggered. They just don't know what you're, know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, when I talked about ethnic studies, everyone thought I was talking about teaching ethics. I'm like, no, 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 no. no. Ethics? But, but, ethics. You know, yeah, the I kids stayed, do need I stayed, ethics. I stayed, <laughs> I stayed undercover. I stayed undercover. Um, right. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to put myself Go out. Go with that. Go with that. <laughs> Y'all are not ready, and the children are. The kids are always ready. That's right. And yeah. um and, you know, Kev, Kev and I, we've talked about this a lot. And I don't know about you, Kev, but man, I felt like a couple of years, you know, a few years ago, we were starting to turn the corner on racial justice pedagogy. Like mm-hmm. the things that people were starting to talk about and post and share and voice, those things made me feel like, oh my goodness, are, are we about to win? Yep. Are we about to win? Right. Uh, spoiler: We were not about. No. To um, 
you know, and, and, and it's just so hard. And I, and we have to laugh because otherwise we'll cry. But I also want to point out that laughing and crying are not mutually exclusive. That's That's right. I agree with that. It can be both and not an either or. Right. Um, And uh, so, so I guess my question to you asking for me, (laughs) (laughs) how do you manage to keep showing up so joyously, so courageously and so fearlessly despite this like white supremacist nonsense you know and and you pointed out that a lot of these extreme you know hateful views are the minority and we have data that shows that that it's a relatively small portion of the population that's propagating this racism and this oppression um i still get mad about it of course Um, because there's a whole bunch of other people who are silent in addition right so there's that part that's yeah so how so how do you, how do you do that? Teach us your ways. Oh, <laughs> I will tell you. Here's what comes to mind. Like I think y'all are gonna vibe with this, just because I, I think this is this is something that this is an image that really is powerful to me. Okay. So you know, like there's the Wizard of Oz. Yes. There's the Wiz, right? Yes. yes. Here's how I think about racialization. I think about racialization as Eveline, right? Remember how she was oppressing the people? Yeah, she was. And they were I mean, it was in her name. It was, yeah. how'd y'all not know? Evelyn is like, y'all should have seen that coming, right? Yeah. Yep. But, so remember like they were in the factory, she was doing terrible things, right? Yeah. And I'm like, not to go, I mean, I was going to say spoiler, but dang, that shows me. Yeah, yeah. If, if you haven't seen The Wiz, that's on you. Listen, that's, that's on you, right? That's on you. Spoiler, you need to support Black You need to see The Wiz. You, you need to see The Wiz. But like, remember when they were able to defeat her and then they zipped out of the suits? Yes, they fell away, and then yep. they started yes. dancing. Yes, I'm chills now, right now, just thinking about oh that. Oh my god, so what a like brand new day! Yeah, that's the joy for me. Is like the moments when I get to see people realizing that they're inside of a suit that is oppressive. Yeah, no, is oppressing them. It's like, look, just pull the zipper, just pull it, right? Just pull it, and then look underneath is all that joy and all that wholeness. That's right. Oh my gosh, like it's so motivating to me. So I'm like, yeah, this stuff. It pisses me off, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Absolutely, right? So there's, there's, you know, I, I will not, there's no qualms about that. Like, I'm sure, just, sure. I really, it does, it, it's very upsetting to me. Yep. Hard stop. And then this, and also, too, I believe that with us continuing to push forward to not only dismantle, but to also freedom dream and build. And yes. Things, but highlight what does it look like for us to all have a really true humanity, for everybody to prosper, for everybody to have uninterrupted belonging and joy, like that is very motivational to me. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing that keeps me going. It really does. Yeah. Man. Man. I'm just, like, I'm having a whole moment right now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. This is a brand new day. We're pushing for that brand new day. That that's what it's about. You know, it's it's liberation. And 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 it, it has to be done joyously. And I love that's- your point because in the end, like just the thought of what it could be like, that that brings joy. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think too, like, and you know, correct me if I'm just hearing what I want to hear. Because <laughs> everybody, t- like, everybody knows I hear what I want to hear. Um, we all do. Uh, I'm working on it. Um, <laughs> but what I'm kind of hearing you say is that victory, victory happens person to person. Yes. Like, yes. you know, yes. if if we are able to break through and get somebody to question the suit they've been wearing all these years. Yes. Um, you know, th- I mean, this is, this is very fun known, right? Like yep. the, with masks, you know, yes. 
um, then that's a, that's a win. Right. Like that's a win. If one person says, I don't like this suit. This no, it doesn't fit. It's ill-fitting. It's yep. ill-fitting. This yep. is an ill-fitting suit. Yeah, um, I wonder what would happen if I just wore my own suit. And, exactly. um, and so I really love that because as we, as we engage people um, who will come our way, I mean, victory is always a possibility with those individuals. That that's got me. I've got chills. That that has me really thinking deeply about some of the work I'm doing myself. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And it also, I mean, like even thinking about like conversations like this bring me joy because we're not alone in the jo- in the work, right? That's we right. Find, we find one another, and then we grow, right? We grow the community, and that also excites me. It makes me really like. I was going to say makes me happy, but it's deeper than that. It's the joy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, and and it and it energizes you for for the fights that you're going to need the energy for. Yes. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I believe we have reached the most important part. Well, speaking of joy, speaking joy. of joy, that's right. And pain, and pain, sunshine, uh oh, and rain, <laughs> singing all God's children. Sorry. We need, uh, lot, we need to bring Africa on more often because it's G singing. <laughs> Yes, I'm like it's probably gonna happen a little bit more. Like once that, we get into that's into, it. There we that's go. it. I love it. I love it. So, at the Two Dope Teachers in a Mic podcast, we have a tradition, a rich tradition. It is rich. I shall say, very rich tradition of of a, of asking one question that is you know we ask deep probing questions. We get into it all, but this critical question, questions, right? Critical. We feel questions. like is the most critical. Yes. Uh, but but before I ask the question, mm-hmm. I just want to 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 let you know, um, you you're gonna have some freedom in how you respond to this that's question. Right. We never want to box anybody in. We are we a wanna... decolonizing podcast. That's I right. Appreciate that. That's, that's right. So I'll give you after I ask the question, I'll explain to you you know some parameters to which you'll realize there really aren't any parameters. <laughs> <laughs> but. Here we go. So okay. here is our question. Okay. Top five rappers. Now, let me elaborate on what I mean by rappers. Yes. Okay. First. <laughs> we'll if, also elaborate what we mean by top five. Top five, yes. <laughs> but when we say rappers, we mean groups, artists, yeah. performance artists. It could be rappers as... Bands. Uh, yeah. Anybody who is making... Things that you listen to that okay. give you inspiration and joy. Okay. That you care deeply about. Okay. Some people have even made it to, uh, we've had top five, uh, five seeds, seeds, S-E-E-D-S, and herbs to grow, which is wow. one of our top, top list. Yeah. If you haven't heard that. Shout out Juliana. Shout out Juliana Fue. <laughs> yes. Shout out Juliana. And I feel like this is, is this the point where I also share the Eric Hale rule? Nope, not yet. Oh, uh, we'll yeah. get sorry, there. Sorry, sorry. So, so what we mean is there's a lot of freedom in what we mean by rappers. Okay. And then when we say top five, we, we know some people have a t- hard time putting a hierarchy on things. Yeah. So if it's really just a list of five, that's fine. <laughs> and we know that we know that the streets talk, right? Yes. So like yes. if you put a top five out there without qualifying it or contextualizing it, you know, the, the streets will know. You know, you're gonna uh, have to argue about it in the barbershop or in the no. hair salon or wherever, yeah, I'm you know, aware. I'm aware. You, your people, they're gonna I'm call not, you on it. 
They will call you on it. I know. So <laughs> you also can uh, you can have ties, right? Okay. So you might oh, have two okay. number ones, three okay. number threes. Okay. Uh, um, and and I think now um, you can add addendums to your list. I think this is where we add the uh, or introduce the Eric Hale rule. I mean, you're an author, so you know about footnotes and yes. parenthetical like. Yeah. Yeah, the so the Eric Hale rule. Eric Hale, shout out, uh, twenty twenty one Texas Teacher of the Year, first black man to be Texas Teacher of the Year, which is ridiculous and amazing all at yes. once. Uh, Eric, does, I think when all was said and done, Eric had about fourteen to sixteen rappers on his list <laughs> because he had a bunch of ties, and then he said, "But if it was a top 10, I would say this, and if it was a top fifteen, I would say this." And at some point, we're like, going. "We have to like the." We're just talking about music now. Now we're just talking about music. So, so we love this because, you know, and I, I think that, um, I think music is one of those things that just reveals a deeper, you know, sort of sense of where we all are and who we all are. Um, Kevin, are we ready for this? Are we ready to... If, if, if you, I ask do you, you Africa. If you uh, yeah, ask yeah. I'm, I'm being, ready. I'm ready. I just explained but it all. I, I don't know if it makes sense. It does make sense. I am I ready to get my go. notebook so that uh, we'll have receipts. Um, yes, okay. yes. You must, you must. Okay, so I am going to hear here are my um qualifiers. Right, right. Begin my list, right? Yes. Love it. I am giving this list. I'm going to really focus on the people who were influential to me mm. in when, when I in my introduction to hip hop. Yes. And even though there are some people who are I'm going to name in my addendum who fall outside of my listening experience, but yes. who I definitely want to give props to. Yes. Right? Excellent. Yes. And, and Brooklyn, and like, of course, yes. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. <laughs> I forgot about how loaded of a situation. Yes, really this is, is very big. <laughs> every, time, every time we get with somebody from Brooklyn or the Bronx, they take this, this question is very serious. Very, very, well, deep, right? very different than other parts of the country. This makes yeah. me think, Kev, do you remember the secret top five? The secret top five. Yeah. So it was, it was again, our friend, Dr. LeGarrette King. Yes. Okay. Oh, yes. yes. He's like, so I, I have a top five. I'm not going to say it, you know, because people will have opinions. So I'm yeah. just going to give you this this other one that, I, that I'm more comfortable with. <laughs> so That's right. There is That's actually right. a secret top five. Um, yes. And, uh, and I, I'm going to have to give that same type of qualifier, too, for my top one, because it may surprise you, my number one. Uh-oh. All right. I love the drama. I love the, the teaser. Drama. Right? right? Okay. All right. All right so go. I'm going to say it's so hard for me to be like number five, right? Yes. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yes, yes. Casey but Casey. I'll just get on my because I have my list. I'm just going to jump in, right? All so right. I definitely have to name, you know, have to name um, Tupac Shakur. Yeah. Because well, one, I'm named after his mama, so he's my play cousin, right? He's yes. Here. Yes. Exactly. Right? Y'all exactly. grew right? up together. Yes, sure. that's exactly right. Because so not only his artistry and his creativity, but his story, and mm. how he has been, how he he was able to weave his story so meaningfully. Yeah. into his into his rhymes like that's yeah that's yeah. very good stuff it's resonated across generations and not oh, every yeah. rapper has been able to do that and i've always said that um that Pac was was the greatest storyteller like yes totally. in hip-hop and maybe one of the greatest american storytellers yes ever. absolutely yep. absolutely and so then i'm gonna name um bust the rhymes uh, yes <laughs> Buster cracks me up <laughs> oh he's so funny i love Buster. <laughs> he's so my okay. husband and I had a chance to see him perform in person, like almost like twenty years ago, and I'm like, "Bust a bus!" Dude. It's so he he, he, goes, he rocks he goes, a crowd, and he goes, he "Rocks a crowd!" 
I know it's like what brings all the energy that you would expect yeah all of it I will tell you I would I will tell you I saw him live in Indianapolis in January of this year there's a whole story there but a whole story (laughs) but everything he's been through everything that you know and some of it was his fault like let's not play but um we all got our demons he yep. still brings that great energy and he still did four of my favorite five songs like Absolutely. to open this like he still brings it yeah you know? i know it i know it like even so why bust why bust it yeah well because like he just he just i mean oh my gosh like just not only the energy but just because he's like he is he talked about being unbothered and unbound he just yes he is free in his rhymes, right? Yes. And so yeah, so that's definitely Buster. I absolutely have to name um, Tribe Cold Quest. Yes. I'm gonna put Tribe and Wu Tang Clan. I mean, I'm not trying to say that because there's different. Yep, you know? yep, yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yep. The same, but just as far as like the the affinity that I had and like yes. when it came out and in my development, right? Like this is just influence and impact. Yes. yes. On the culture, both of them. On the culture, just yes. yes. I can relate. I will say this, like when we were teaching our kids about hip hop, because you know we had to tell them the difference between true hip hop and, and alleged hip hop. Right? Yes, we have, to have those lessons. Our children are nineteen and twenty years old now, so they yep. we have to tell them, right? Yep, yep. So just really need to be able to talk about the difference between those two. Here's what's hard: when they were little, there were some lyrics that I really want to be like, look at what, look at what Fife Dog said. But I'm like, no, yep. I can't say that. I can't nope. say that. Nope. I can't. Like, oh, nope. It's so good. <laughs> but look at it. When you put it all together, you'd be like, wow. You can break that down and be like, look at the skill level in that rhyme. Like, yeah. Like, well, and in so the, and in still the, still find the jewels, still like, find the jewels. Like yeah. I'm reading, um, go on in the rain right now. Um, and just the, the sort of history of how, of how those songs were engineered and conceptualized, not even, even before the lyrics, like it's, it's so incredible. And what I love, what I loved about Tribe, Wu-Tang and, and De La. Yeah, Dela too. Is yes. um, that very, um, that very understated like satire. Yes. So didn't actually know what they were kidding about and what they were serious about. That's right. And they didn't right. care if you knew. No. <laughs> no. Put it out you there. Know. Put it out there. So try, Tribe and Wu-Tang, we, we can conflate them for the purposes of the- Just for the purpose of the list. But we know they're not the same. Like they're not the same. No, no. They're not the same. So I definitely have to name Biggie. Oh my God. Yes. Got right? you. Of course. Now here's what's hard about Biggie. Required. <laughs> like as a woman, it's hard for me to listen to the lyrics. Yes. Say that. Very hard. Yes. But at the same time, I'm like, oh my gosh, the talent, right? Yeah. And the same thing like with him and Pac, like- that they that we lost them so young, like yes, both of them, like we, what they could have done if if they were still around. Yeah. yeah, like they were. We were robbed. I mean, they obviously robbed of their lives, but we as a world were robbed. Yes. Of what they yeah. were developing, right? Like they were, but yeah, I mean, Biggie just I don't know, like you know, Brooklyn, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. I mean, the man didn't breathe during right? his songs. Like you could never oh. hear him take a breath. No, and, right? and just so that technical skill was so incredible, and I also think that. You know, we've gotten some very small windows. Ah, windows, get it? Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Into what could have been if if those two had been able to reach middle age and, and right? further. You know, you look at what DMX became before he passed. Rest in peace, DMX. Mm-hmm. And the kind of perspective that he had, and the way he would speak openly about violence and mental health, mental illness in in his right. life. And right. you know, it's just it's just a, one of the great tragedies is that. 
we're not going to be able to hear those perspectives until we get to Thug's Mansion, right? Like, yep. we're yep. not going to be able to hear it. Oh, I'm just feeling the hip hop right now. Um, me too. Me too. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes. all right. So, so we got we got four. And uh, okay, so now right. here's my. I'm gonna do a quick like sidestep because I'm trying to save that drum love roll it. moment. Yeah, we love, love that. Love we love right? that. So here, this, I will is, this is this is the bridge, right? Yes. The bridge. The bridge. Yes. Bridge is over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I will say that I must give shout out to like KRS-One and Rakim. Yes, so yes. I didn't listen to them a lot. Like my husband did too. Like yes. y'all can see the room I'm in now. There's like a whole <laughs> hip hop wall. Yes. My husband has constructed, right? And KRS-One and Rakim are definitely part of that. And they're, they're oh, yeah. amazing as well. I didn't listen to them yeah. as much. So that's why they didn't make yes. my yeah. the same way. Yes. I also want to say that like, I know this, like, I'm, you know, I do my analysis. I was looking at kind of like who I'm, who I'm, who I'm listing, and I'm like, there are no female identifying folks. Yes. So I do want to name, like, I want to shout out MC Light. Yes. Yes. And I want to shout out Roxanne Shantae. Like, yes. One of my For first the people don't know battle. how great she was. Oh my people god, don't she was so rough, and she was the youngest. Like, she was, was 14. young doing that stuff. And yes. tearing up fools. She, she really was. She I really love was. tearing like, up grown men. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, that, you know, came out I, the cut. they weren't expecting it. You know, yeah, they weren't. yeah. Well, like, because you talk about alleged hip hop, there's also alleged hip hop commentators, right? Who treat Roxanne Shantae as kind of this cute curiosity. It's like, oh, that's so cute, a 14 year old rapping. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Roxanne yep. Shantae was the truth. She Go back and listen. Go back yeah. and listen. For real. Yeah. Yes. For real. So now I'm going to give y'all my number one. I know that, and there probably would be a lot of controversy about this. We need a drum roll. When I, when I, yeah, because when I think about already, I'm not even saying that this artist is on the same level as people I've already listed. Yes. The reason why I'm listing this person, I'm going to tell you in a second, is yep. because I am 48 years old and yes. I can recite his rhymes with so much ease all yeah. these decades later. So yes. I'm going to name Special, special Ed. I'm going to name Special, special Ed. Special Ed. All right. Ed. All yeah. right. Yes. I got I it made. Not, I, could, I, 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 got it made. I got it made. I got it made. I he did not goes. see that coming. I was I was like okay okay so she's not talking about Nas she's not talking about Jay Z she's not man where are we uh, I love that I yeah. love that man because much you know love the special ed it takes me back to a time in my childhood when I'm just like not everything was great right like there's some challenges and stuff going on but yeah. like just being able like you know I used to be watching like video music Bob yep yep watching his like you know and you think about like the you know as far as like everything's all high tech now and all advanced but like yeah. he had basic you know like he was walking he around really did. That's right, it. in front of the Brooklyn Public Library rhyming. And so I'm just like, yeah. Places where you've been. Places yes. where you've been. You'd be like, I'm like oh, well, I think I'm in there. There's an affinity there. There's an affinity That's true there. because like, yeah, now I'm thinking about it, like, yeah. you know, with Special Ed, like the, the scenery and the setting was also a character in his rhymes. Yes, absolutely. I think that's really powerful. And then I think about, I think about like Sutton. So every time someone gives their top five, I start reconfiguring my top five. Then, and I'm realizing, <laughs> I'm realizing that Young MC has a place in my heart <laughs> because <That's> tough. <laughs> because Principal's Office and Got More Rhymes were the first were the first ones that I could do from beginning to end. Yep, yep. Because he was just goofy. Um, That's right. The move. <laughs> What's the move? That's I'm right, like, bro. I can relate. I can relate. My, relate to all my seventh of that. grade self like who's uh, like yeah it could definitely so that's really like when i listen to it when i listen to it now i'm just like he was saying stuff like i got a frog a dog with a solid gold bone i'm like 
you can't give your dog a solid did you get a frog from in brooklyn like (laughs) but that's why i love that era of 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 hip-hop it is so it it you know there's all of that there's so much in it and it had so much potential and and you just saw like all of the roots of what it branched out to because like every style that exists today there was some sort of early version of it. Yeah. And, you know, you, you, you know, you talk about like Ro- Roxanne Chante and, you know, Roxanne Chante is why we got Queen Latifah and MC Light and Salt That's and right. later on. And That's then right. those three were why we got Missy Elliott and Lauren Hill. And yeah. I have to always shout out my, the underground queen, Jean Grey. Um, right. Like they, you know, and then that's why we have, you know, um, we have people like even like Nicki Minaj and some of these Nicki and Meg and yep, yep. We can straight up perform. Party. So it's it's all legacy and uh, and it's beautiful. That I, I have to say, that was the most fun top five. Oh, was that's it? Yeah, that's it. Five. That was a good one. We, you that's know, I, I like it because there are a couple that spoke to my heart. Busta speaks to my heart. Tribe yeah. Wu Tang, and then and then there's and then there's one that just comes out of nowhere that you didn't know, and now you are like, I appreciate it. And that was. Special ed. What a great top five. Get your thoughts. I, I completely agree. That was great. That was quality. That's quality. A and I, I hope people are I hope people are listening to it, uh, checking out the playlist. We put a playlist together, Africa. Ooh, Gerardo, Gerardo puts it together. Well, I mean, you you help put it all, you know, like planned it. Like <laughs> definitely say this. Uh, so we're we're gonna quote one of our Twitter followers uh talking about this uh, you know, this top five. Taryn Henderson, uh, shout out at uh, Profe Hendy, uh, would call that a two dope, two dope teachers in a mic drop. Yes, <laughs> there we go. There we go. All it's right. excellent. It's excellent. Um, well, Africa, thank you so much for taking this time with us this evening. It's just so much fun. I think I think the people are going to love the radical joy. And, um, you know, I think it's just going to give folks, you know, a way to start engaging. Um, how can people follow you? How can people support you? Are you going to be speaking, presenting uh, yes. anywhere? And most importantly, how do the people get your book? Because they're all going to want the book now. Oh, absolutely. So I, I'll start there, right? So with the yep. book, I'm like, they can get it directly from me if they reach out to me. So they have- um, Support so independent authors. That's independent it. Authors, right? so I can, In, I can, independent authors of color. Yes. Okay. So I'm there like, we so go. you reach out to me on openwindows2022 at gmail.com. I will hook you up and make sure, you know, you get your copy. Um, you can also buy it from Corwin directly. I think there's like a sale going on now for like back to school that can get some discounts um, right. off of the book. So there's that. And then any, you know, where, where you buy books online, you can get it pretty much anywhere. Sure, sure. Um, as far as like how to stay in touch with me, I'm on the interwebs, right? You're so there. A Faney Mills. Great Instagram follow, I just have to say. It's a great Instagram yes. follow. Thank you, thank you. Joy Spirit, right? Yes, Joy Spirit, right? And then I also, like, the book has its own, so it's Open Windows, Open Minds, has an Instagram page and a Facebook page. And then just really, if you go to my website, this is all, like, Africa, Faney Mills, all at that, that com, all one word. I really have been doing a much better job of keeping everything updated. Consistent. That's hard. It is hard. It's so hard. I've got the most pathetic website right now. It has like one interview on it from two years ago. (laughs) For the longest time, it was just a picture of me. I'm like, I got my domain name. It's my picture. My picture picture is like the the font. You can't see it on my face. And so 
like so bad. So oh bad. no! Oh, I'm gonna no. learn your ways. I'm gonna learn your. But ways. yeah, so I mean, I, I'm learning too. So I'm happy to like we can connect and we can encourage each other. Encourage That's, each it. Other. That's it. That's it. Love yes. Love yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I missed something. I'm like, how to get the book? How to stay? Uh, just, yeah, I think I think you got it all. Oh, are you gonna be speaking or presenting? Oh yes, yes, speaking engagements. So I will be. So New England Association um, um, of Teachers and of Teachers of English. I'm going to be doing a virtual session with them. I'm going to be presenting at NCTE in November. Mm. I'm also going to be at the Literacy for All conference in Cambridge, um, so I'll be there. I'll be um, in Kansas City at the Amplify conference. The Kaufman Foundation has a, co a conference for educators of color every year, so I'll be keynoting there. Mm. And then I'm trying to get into some other spaces. I'm trying to get into South by Southwest EDU. There I'll we go. Yeah. About whether or not I'm being invited there, but you know, hopefully I'll be at. Hey, better, we'll fight it. We'll be I know, there. right? I'm just like, come on, y'all, come on, come through, come through. That's right. Like, that yeah. she has the two dope seal of approval. What do you Come think? on. That means everything to me. That means That's everything. it. Yeah. Well, we have one way we like to um, we like to take out the show. Um, I'll ramble a little bit, um, like like again, and um, <laughs> and then I'll give a little cue, and uh, we'll all say stay dope together, uh, folks. We will be linking to all of these things in the show notes. So um, if you're interested in uh, following Africa, purchasing. Uh, open windows, open minds, or just checking out her appearances at these, um, at these conferences, uh, you'll be able to find these things. So, uh, for our um, our Cosmo uh, model of the year, Kevin Adams. Oh, stop! <laughs> for the brilliant author, scholar, activist, and um, and minister of joy. Uh, Africa theme. Yes, the Minister of Joy. I love that. I, love that. I am merely Gerardo Munoz, and I am telling you all to stay positive, stay fired up, stay with that radical joy, stay with that joyous rage, stay with community, and above and beyond, make sure that you always stay, stay dope. dope. <laughs> there we go. Love it. <laughs>